You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of Doing the Work, the first show on the Back Home Network covering IU women's basketball. This is our 103rd episode recorded on Wednesday, January 31st, 2024. And by the way, victorious for the first time ever at Maryland on the road, College Park, however you want to phrase it. A big big shout out to the IU women tonight. Third quarter may not have been pretty. But boy, a, a first-time win on the road at Maryland. Kudos to Coach Morin and the staff. I'm your host, Jeff Marlowe, and I'm joined by my co-host, Kathy Amos. Today, we'll be breaking down that big win by your number 10-13 Indiana Hoosiers, 87-73 to over Maryland. And that brings their record to 18-2 and overall, 9-1 and in the Big Ten. And today, we're going to start out, as we do every show, with our Who's Your Proud banner moment. And, Kathy, I've already previewed it. I'm going right to the fact that it's the first ever win at Maryland at the Xfinity Center. Again, I understand this is not the normal Maryland team we're used to seeing that's battling for, you know, national rankings and 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 top of the Big Ten right there in the battle. But you knew they were going to come out and play hard tonight. I think we shocked them a little bit in the first half. But that third quarter, while a lot of us felt wasn't a good quarter, I, I'm also taking the, the viewpoint that, you know what, Maryland's kind of playing for their tournament life right now. They, they've, they've dragged down to at least Charlie Cream's last bracket, I believe, to 11 seed, uh, basically one of the last four buys if I remember right. So, but a huge, huge win for this program to go out on the road at Maryland. And I'll be one to say it here. I know we talked about in the preseason. I, I, this was one I thought we would win, but it was also one I could see us losing. And without Sydney Parrish, we go out and win the road. Now they were without Cheyenne Sellers, but we go out and get that win on the road. Our Who's Your Proud Banner moment is brought to you by Homefield Apparel, presenting sponsor of the Back Home Network, who includes the Assembly Call and Crimson Cast. Homefield is constantly releasing new schools or updating their products for schools in their existing line. You're bound to find something for you or anyone in your life that just loves great collegiate gear. Not only do you get quality apparel, but you're supporting an Indiana-based business that has its roots in the Kelly School of Business. Go to homefieldapparel.com and use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E-2-3, to get 15% off your entire order. That's promo code HOME23 for 15% off. And again, the website is homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. And real quick in news, uh, it wasn't a lot of news, but Mackenzie Holmes was named to the Wooden Award top 20 list uh, yesterday. Uh, so kudos to Mackenzie for being named to that National Player of the Year list uh, for the second year in a row that Mackenzie has been named to that list. So we're going to throw it over to Kathy for the Amos Angle and get her initial thoughts about tonight's game. Yeah, absolutely. Well, good night, everyone. Hello. Nice to see you. Those of you here live in the chat. I'm really happy to be here, especially after a great, fantastic road win like that. Um, You know, we really came out, I thought, on fire in that first quarter and in particular the first half in general. I thought our defense was on point, really had a rough go of it in that third quarter. I thought Maryland made some really 
tough adjustments that we didn't quite adjust back to, especially defensively. And uh, but we came back in that fourth quarter, and I thought the whole thing too showed so much composure. And really great experience from the team because we did all of this without taking a single timeout during that game. And I know Jeff, you and I were in the discord with a few folks and we thought that they probably should have called one there in that third quarter. But you know what? Coach Morin's been uh, getting paid the big bucks probably for a reason. And uh, she knows her team and she let them play through it. And they really came back and especially in that that fourth quarter and really responded. And, you know, I thought your banner moment was spot on. I mean, never having one up there. And yeah, maybe not the Maryland we we've come to know the last three or four years or so, but it's still a fantastic win against a quality program. Um, and I think there are other things we could have talked about. Mackenzie Holmes surpassed her 2300 point mark, which we'll talk about later in the show. You know, we had that whole string of events in the third quarter, starting with the Maryland technical foul, where or in the fourth quarter rather that you know the team really went on this nice stretch of play there to build that lead back up. And and so I thought there was a lot of a lot of banner moments, a lot of good play from a lot of different players tonight. And so I think it'll be really exciting to, to get into that tonight. Yeah. And I will say this, I, I will admit I was in the discord and, 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 and our group chat that we have about, you know, possibly getting a time out there. But the more I thought about, it, especially as I got away from the game for a few minutes here after it ended, you know, if you have that philosophy, sometimes as a coach and coach Knight used to have this philosophy and sometimes I would have it too. If you've got a veteran team, you sometimes you got to let them play their way out of it, or at least you're going to let them go as far as you can and play their way out of it. And, and, and so while I might've been looking for a timeout a little bit earlier, again, you made a great point, Kathy, she knows her team and it's a veteran team and a veteran team shouldn't necessarily, and, and for lack of a better term, shouldn't need somebody to hold their hand to get through it. You know, the home team making a run um, in a situation. I think the thing, and Kathy, you and I may get, I don't want to get into this in the numbers. I'll bring it up here. You know, it just, the second half lost all the flow. Now, part of that was because we did not do a very good job of moving our feet, but there was a lot of fouls called. Uh, we yeah. had 14 fouls in the second half, and I thought that took away some of the flow. This team played well in the first half when the game was a little more fluid. It was open. As the second half kind of got to grinding, they they really, I thought they lost all their rhythm and, and just really had a hard time getting it back. But I just kind of, you know, your thoughts about that. I, I just think, again, I, again, from the standpoint that the pace and and team team play and knowing your team, I thought you raised some good points. But what did you think about how the 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 pace of the play, the flow of the game, got in the second half? Yeah, I think it just really got mired down on both ends of the, the the court. Really, I thought there were a lot of fouls that the the referees all of a sudden started calling that weren't fouls in that first half. And in particular, I thought. More so than what we usually see, I thought there were a lot of fouls away from the ball, um, which, you know, it, it's just, again, it takes away the flow of the game. And then not only that, uh, you get people in foul trouble and there were people in foul trouble to be candid on both sides. Um, but it, it, there seemed to be um, just a lot of ticky tack fouls called, especially in that third quarter that just kind of took that flow flow away from the game. Um, in addition, I think for us, the flow was really slowed down because Maryland started that, you know, three quarter press. And um, I think we just had a little bit of trouble with that. I would have um, kind of, I think you mentioned this as well, like to seen them attack that a bit more um, and be a little more aggressive with it instead of trying to just throw the ball kind of back and forth and get it across, which, you know, they didn't have any 10 second violations. But again, I thought that took us out of the flow of the game for us and our flow of our offense. And we really, 
um, we've seen that before. We saw that down in Fort Myers and Princeton did that to us too. And we, while we never really turned it over per se um, in that game either, it just takes us out of our offensive flow. And I, it, you could really see that. And, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about it either in the pivotal plays or in the numbers where, you know, that third quarter was definitely very crooked in, in Maryland's favor. Oh, you're on mute, Jeff. Thank you. And, and that was one of those that I got from Coach Knight growing up and becoming a young coach was he was he would always talk about if somebody wanted to press you, break that front line. That was what he was most concerned about. You didn't want to get picked off, make a turnover in the backcourt. But once you got it to the past that front line, attack them, attack them at the rim, make them pay. Because once you get there, it's basically three on two, three on one, depending upon how many people they have, you know, in, in the backside of that. But we kind of got to the point where we got it up on a sideline and we just kind of were like, oh, okay, we'll bring it back out. And so that's why I would have liked to have seen them attack the back end of the, the, the pressure a little bit more and, 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 and maybe get away from being on the sideline so much. That was the other thing too. Um, I never was a big fan of the sideline in that, but you know, sometimes right. you haven't got any choice. So, but um, so really quickly, you got anything else you want to discuss in, in your initial thoughts or you want to move on to the pivotal yep. place? We can go to the pivotal place. Okay, we're going to move on to the pivotal place here, and I'm going to let Kathy go first. Yeah, so um, pretty early into that first quarter, um, about uh, two and a half minutes in, Lexi Bargesser takes a three-point shot, and we've been pretty critical of her, her form. And I'm not going to say I think her form is fixed, but you know what? Every once it goes in, and it went in for her tonight. And, you know, I think we'll talk hopefully a little bit more about her throughout this. But that was that was a big three, I think, for her um, to, to see her getting some offensive production. She ended up with nine points on the game. Um, she did a lot of other, you know, things that won't show up in the box score, but some that did. Um, and overall, I thought that set the tone for Lexi. And I thought she had a really nice game again, kind of filling in that starter role for Sydney. So to me, that was a pivotal play just because, again, um, I think it set the tone for Lexi um, for the rest of the night. Yeah. And I don't think any of us had it on our bingo card. No, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go to the point where um, starting with that three, then the next possession, off an offensive rebound, Yarden hits a three. And then the next possession, Sarah hits a three. So a quick 9-0 run over about a minute and a half of game time that jumped us out to a 14-2 lead, forced a Maryland timeout. And I really felt like that kind of set the tone, really. Now, they're going to make – they come back and make a little run. But I really felt like the, the energy, the confidence was really set in that first half with that little 9-0 run there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do too. And, you know, I was really surprised that uh, Maryland, even after that timeout, they didn't do it on every possession, but they continued to play a lot of zone. And I thought we really made them pay for it in that first half. You know, we ended that first half um, having shot eight of 18 three-pointers um, or 44%. And I thought that was in large part because of how they were playing zone so often. We were really attacking the middle and then getting it back out to our three-point shooter. So, um just was really kind of surprised that they didn't make more adjustments. And I guess maybe they wanted to stick with their initial game plan, but they definitely made some adjust adjustments at halftime. Um, so I thought there was a couple really nice moves from Lene in that first quarter as well. Um, you know, she had that really pretty spin move to make it 16 to eight. Um, but then, you know, she really, uh, <laughs> um, 
I thought was having trouble fouling early before I thought the the whistles were flowing a little bit more. <laughs> and, you know, she got her second foul with two, two minutes left in that um, second quarter and then ended up getting her third foul. Uh, I'm sorry, two minutes left in the first quarter and got her third foul in that third quarter. And with a short bench already and, you know, um, shortened um, with only nine available players, I thought that could have really spelled a lot of danger for us. And um, interesting that I think all that fouls um, ended up setting the tone a little bit for what we were going to see in that second half in particular. So um, I liked a lot of what I saw from Lene tonight and just a little bit, again, work on that defensive end, not surprising, right, for a freshman that she's struggling a little bit defensively and not fouling defensively. But I thought offensively, um, Lene looked really aggressive. She looked really comfortable with the ball. She, um, you know, drove a couple of times getting it to max. She was, you know, looking a little bit to, to score. And I really like seeing that from Lene. And again, we've been kind of talking about her all year, but I think this shows us a lot of what could be in her future for us. Um, uh, seeing her just really, I thought, progressing and continuing her development for this year. Yeah, I'm going to go down into the second quarter here for my next one. That's uh, Yarden with the steal. Uh, found Sarah Scalia. Beautiful bounce pass. Nice angle. Sarah filled the lane on the right side and found the lay and, and get, found the pass and, and a layup. And it, uh, that was, uh, I thought that was huge. Uh, then they turned Maryland over again and Lexi drove for a layup. So there's, you know, a quick 4 0 run that put them up 30 to 14 in the second quarter. But again, I in a night where I felt like, you know, Yarden struggled a little bit. I, you know, uh, you know, even though she shot okay, and she did, you know, she had some rebounds, she had some assists, and maybe it's just because she was another one that got some foul trouble early. <laughs> that I felt like maybe she just she, she struggled when actually the numbers didn't show that she struggled. She, you know, maybe just more neutral than you know she wasn't great. She wasn't as you know struggling. She was just kind of a neutral um on the floor so that's a, that i point i thought that was a big part of the second half or the second quarter um i also had down in there you look at that first half as a whole seven players scored in the first yeah. half i thought the balance was awesome yeah i i did too i had that written down as well and in fact um our bench ended up with eight points in that first half um and i thought that was just really nice to see you know we ended up playing um all nine of our players that were available um and our four players off the bench and especially with lily meister and Lene beaumont i thought they gave some really nice minutes too um and and jules lamandola actually got in there quite a bit both jules and Lene. so both of our two freshmen got 12 and 13 points, uh, or excuse me, minutes rather, respectively. And I thought there was some really nice play from both of those those players, especially as freshmen on the road. Um, it was nice to see they didn't seem to be afraid of the moment. And it was really great to see Coach Moore, and be, to be honest, to be quite, um, you know, comfortable and, and trusting of them to put them in in this moment. You know, it is a, a big game in terms of standings. It was a big game in terms of history and being on the road. It was nice to see that we got, you know, four players in there with two of them in double double digit minutes. Yeah, I want to come back to that in a little bit. Uh, I think more yeah. of the notable numbers there. So what else you got for a pivotal play? Maybe jump into the um, second half here. Yeah, let's jump in the second half. So uh, again, you know, we came out and Lexi started with a really nice pass down to McKenzie Low, um, and McKenzie ended up scoring. I thought, oh, this is going to be great. But then all of a sudden, Maryland just really picked up their D, and we started really turning the ball over. Um, you know, we ended up um, with 13 turnovers, and um, 
I got it written down here. Yeah, eight of them were in that second half. And so um, <clears throat> I just was, you know, really thought that Maryland just kept chipping away, chipping away and chipping away. And um, that defense in particular really um, picked up. And so, um, you know, it just never seemed in that third quarter we could string a, a play after a play of together right on either end. So right after the media timeout, as an example, Chloe Moore McNeil drives and then um, gets two and it was fouled, which was a great play. And she makes it a free throw to get back to 62 to 47. But then we go on the other end and we just immediately let uh, Maryland score again. So we just never could seem to get those, you know, um, string of good offense followed up by some stops on the defensive end to really, really build that lead back up. Um, and I think at one point Maryland had gotten the lead cut down to seven in that third quarter. So it got a little, uh, a little concerning there for me and just a lot of the fouls, I think again, in that third quarter. I don't remember ever getting to seven. You may be right. I just remember getting to nine at the end of the quarter, but it, yeah, it was no, one it was of those, it was one of those that I felt like it just almost became a, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Anytime they, they felt like they tried to play defense, they got called for a foul. And I'm not blaming the officials per se, uh, the, the whistles did change a little bit in the second. I was just looking at that. There were 25, I think it was 2014, 15, sorry, 29 fouls called in the second half on both teams. So um, the, the the whistles changed a little bit. But um, I just think it, it was every time we – and I felt like it was one of those games in the third quarter, Kathy, where we just were struggling to – contain the drive again. Maryland was really just almost at times putting their head down and trying to go. And we were a half a step slow or we wouldn't get squared up. We were always kind of, a, you know, kind of a 45 degree angle trying to slide and, and just really putting ourselves in some bad positions defensively from that standpoint. But I will agree with you in terms of the third quarter, just the, the turnovers. And, and, and when you told me 13 turnovers, I think it was, you said, it felt like way more than that, didn't it? I mean, it, it really did. felt, especially in yeah. that third quarter and, and with how many it was. But other than the, that quarter, I felt like the offense, it looked pretty decent. Now, we didn't shoot it well. And again, I want to save some of that for the notable numbers. But but we moved the ball and we made some nice passes. But just that third quarter, just that was a tough quarter offensively and defensively. So um, yeah. I'm going to go to the fourth quarter here early in the fourth quarter. And I thought maybe one of the big plays, if it wasn't the tech eight and a half minutes to go balls loose on the floor, Matt gets on the floor and forces a jump ball, which gets us a possession. And I can't remember us doing much off of that, whether we scored or not, but the fact that Mac yeah. was willing to get on the floor and try to create a tie up tells you that the game had gotten to the point where, Hey, we, we got to get, you know, if we were still up 20, you may not see that. But um, Mac hopping and jumping on the floor for that to tie up that loose ball, it told you a little bit about how much you felt each possession at that point was huge. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think we did end up scoring after we got that jump ball. Um, I didn't write it down, but I remember that play too. Um, it was right, you know, not too long into it. And um, I think we had missed the shot and uh, – Maryland got the rebound, but they kind of fumbled it. And there were two Maryland players going after it, and then Mac all jumping on the floor for it. And it was really great. Um, but yeah, I'm going to go ahead and talk about that whole sequence there, at, you know, starting at 706, where, you know, McKenzie's down low and they, they call the foul, or was it going to be a jump ball? I'm not really sure. But one of the players from Maryland gets called for a technical foul. Um, Sarah Scallion goes to the line, makes both of them, makes 74 to 65. 
and then Yarden comes back. They get the ball back. Now we have a long two from Yarden, makes it 76-65. Down on the other end, more great defense from Lexi. She steals the ball, and, and then she finds Yarden on the break for two more to force Maryland out of into a timeout, making it 78-65. And so there was three great offensive possessions in a row there where we ended up scoring plus some tough defense on the other end, forcing a miss shot and getting a steal. And I thought that set the tone really for the rest of the quarter. And I think it kind of deflated Maryland, to be quite honest. I mean, you know, they they were also playing shorthanded with Sellers out. And, you know, I think it was Brown ended up kind of getting um, banged up as well. So they were shorthanded as well. And I think that whole comeback in the third quarter then followed up with the way we started that fourth quarter into that three minutes. But that sequence of, again, I think just took kind of the air out of the balloon, if you will, for Maryland. They probably spent so much money or money. <laughs> energy trying to get back into the game that I just don't think they had anything left in that fourth quarter. Yeah. And then just kind of down the stretch, Sarah Scott, you're hitting a ton of free throws, starting with those two there. Um, as like you said, and then I think she hit four more free throws, uh, down the stretch as well. So she was, or three, you know, and, and so that was, that was big uh, to kind of help put the game away. Uh, I thought the yeah. defense just got locked in better too in the fourth quarter. I really don't have any specific plays from there on. I just think the defense got locked in a little bit better. Um, you notice, for example, in the fourth quarter, we only allowed them 14 points. And, you know, that's you can live with that. You, you know, 14 points in a quarter is something that any team, that whether it's in the Big Ten or high school or wherever, if you give up 14 in a quarter, you're, you can live with that number. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, so, you know, outside of that kind of lopsided um, third quarter where we were outscored 16 to 29, we held Maryland well under 20 points per quarter. So, you know, 14, 16, and then 14 again. You know, so I know that, you know, Coach Moran's not going to be happy with the defense of the third quarter. But I think the other first, second, and fourth, the defense was actually really pretty good, keeping them, um, you know, in those team numbers um and keeping them down low. I think if we would have just had a little bit more in that third quarter, we would have held them well under, you know, in the the sixties or even below this year, this um, in this game. So um, overall, I thought it was, you know, uh, three quarters of a defensively good played game. (laughs) Well, in those three quarters you're talking about, they're plus 27. Now I know they only end up winning by 14 because of the third quarter. You can't take that out. But when they were playing, when they played their best tonight, they were plus 27 on the road. Think about that. They were against a team that everybody thought was going to be a top of the half, you know, top half, top third of the, of the league team. And right now they're not, but you still win it. Like I said, at the beginning, you win in some place that you had never won before. And they, and, yeah. and this is a team that we just beat for the first time ever a couple years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not it's like so there's awesome. a lot of history here for Indiana to bank on and to kind of pull from. So with that, Kathy, let's move on to the notable numbers and I'll let you go yeah. first. All right. Um, so, yeah, I think we've, we've talked quite a bit, a lot of them, but um, I'm actually going to talk about a first half number, which was 59%. And that was our field goal shooting. Um, you know, we ended, I, again, like I was just very surprised that Maryland continued to play zone and they really ratcheted it back up um, on us, but we still ended up shooting 49% from um, in field goal range, including 35% from three, you know, again, that really slowed down. 
Um, we ended up only making one three-pointer in the second half. Again, I thought Maryland made some really nice defensive adjustments, but still to go on the road and shoot 49% in, um, from two, and I think 35% from three, I'll take that most nights um, on the road. I thought the shooting tonight was actually pretty, pretty good, and the shot selection was um, smart as well. Yeah, the only thing about the three-point shooting you're going to talk about here is the fact that they started out six for 14. They were three for 12 over the last three quarters. So that, you know, that's one of those that is kind of a, it's a, I'll take the 35%, but when they started out shooting 43%, you were like, oh, this is going to be a pretty good night um, from that standpoint. I think a lot of that, though, was the change in Maryland's defense. I thought, you know, again, like I mentioned, that um, three-quarter length press I thought that really took us out of the rhythm. And I think that was a huge part of it. Um, And, you know, it's just not, we weren't getting as easy and open shots as we were in that first quarter or the first half, I thought. Yeah. I'm going to go again. Another one that we talked a little bit about. um, We've talked a lot about throughout the season and Indiana was plus nine tonight in rebounding. You know, we, we had 33 rebounds to their 24 um, with that. So, you know, again, I, I'm never going to complain when we out rebound the other team, we start getting up to near plus 10. Yeah. I, I'm pretty happy with that. And, and I thought, you know, again, um, you look at, again, I try not to get into too many single numbers, but McKenzie ends up with a double, double tonight. And, and so yeah. she was, and that's been one thing I was, you know, we haven't really talked a lot about Kathy and I, and we try and never really be critical of the players on the show. And, you know, unless we absolutely have to, but I just felt like that's been one area that Mac hasn't been as strong at this year is her rebounding. I mean, last year it felt like she was a, you know, right around eight, nine, 10 rebounds, almost every game. And there've been some games this year where she hasn't been. And sometimes it just doesn't come to you. I get that. You can be blocking out perfectly well and it just doesn't come to you. But in these last few games, she's been, she's been right around 10 rebounds a game. And I think that's a big key for this team as they play some of these better teams is Mac has to be dominating on the glass. And I thought she has the Purdue game, Northwestern game, and now here tonight, uh, another good off, another good night on the glass. So that was a big, that was a number I want to go to. I'll give you a chance to put in another one. Yeah. So um, the other one, I guess we should probably talk a little bit about is um, turnovers. And I've already touched on a little bit. They had five in the first half, but then again, Maryland kicks up that defense. We just really kind of struggled with it and ended up with 13, um, you know, and it ended up with 13 points um, off of turnovers for them. But on the flip side of that, we also, you know, forced 12 Maryland turnovers and scored 14 points off of those. So in terms of points off turnovers, it ended up being about even 14 for us and 13 for them. Um, So really not too um, upset about that other than I thought, some of those came um, kind of untimely in that third quarter and letting them get back into it. Um, but uh, there's just one other number, I guess, for me, I really wanted to talk about, and that was 12, which is our bench points. And again, you know, maybe it doesn't sound like a whole lot when we have 87 points total, but there have been so many games that you and a guy have talked on the podcast afterwards and we're like, we didn't get anything from our bench, right? And not only did we get 12 from the bench, but we got nine points from Lexi, uh, who, you know, just started filling in, um, starting for Sydney. <laughs> and, you know, if we we look back at that last game, we had um, almost, I think everyone scored in that last game that we played, except for Lexi. So it was nice to see um, tonight having seven of our, our, our players scoring, including Lexi with nine and including 12 from our bench. So those were probably some of the big numbers that kind of jump out to me. 
um, I'm going to go kind of this. Uh, I'm going to go the other way on that. I mean, I, the, I'm more of a surprise number here. And I just, I did not realize this, but uh, Lily Meister only four minutes tonight. And I felt Lily played a very solid form, you know, time on the floor. I would have thought for sure she played way more than four minutes. Not like she played 25, <laughs> but when I start looking at the box and she only played four minutes, but she had six points. She didn't miss a shot, didn't miss a free throw. She had one rebound. I call that a pretty productive night. I'm just really shocked at that. But again, McKenzie was playing pretty well. And I think, again, you go back, and this is where I want to kind of go. I'll double up on this, Kathy, and get your thoughts before you give another one. Four players tonight. This is a little bit of something we've talked about in the past. We talked a little bit about on Sunday coming out of the Northwestern game because it got to be kind of tight in the second half. Third quarter didn't go as well. And I think this is probably why Lily didn't get as much run but four players today and played over 30 minutes. Whereas on Sunday, again, blowout, Lene was right. the only one who played over 30 minutes. And here tonight, Lene and Jules get about 12 minutes apiece, 12 and 13. And, but four players tonight over 30 minutes and, and, and three of them were over 35. So there just wasn't a lot of bench minutes going out there outside of foul. Yeah, yeah exactly. Except for Yarden who had, had to sit quite a bit more, um, with her foul, she was the only one under under the thirty minute mark. So, um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I still, I, I was too. I thought Lily actually played more than the four minutes that she was in there. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of thought that she would get in a little bit more, um, especially in that first half to give McKenzie a bit of a break. Especially when we had built up, you know, a single or excuse me, a double digit lead pretty well into that second quarter. But, um, and that says a lot about Lily that she came in and, you know, scored her mm -hmm. six points in four minutes, you know, between her and Lene, we got our, our 12 bench points. So um, just really was actually pleased with a little bit of play that she got in there. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to see her a little bit more going forward, but, you know, again, not surprising with coach Moore in that, you know, she went with her veteran McKenzie Holmes, um, during this game but yeah she did end up playing 36 minutes you got anything else i don't think so i don't think um i have any other team stats i'd want to touch on right now i, I i'm going to touch on a couple things here then because i do yeah. have I'm, one is a team stat 79 percent at the free throw line and for a team that we've been on here a few times talking about their lack of free throw shooting they shot 79 percent at the free throw line so again another couple of games so maybe we're starting to see a little turnaround you know uh, McKenzie was seven for eight. Sarah was eight for nine. We mentioned Lily's two for two. So, you know, that was that. And then also I want to point out, you talked a little bit about this. I want to come back to it here. Lene Beaumont and Jules Lamondola. and Jules, I thought at times was struggling, but I think it was more because she was fouling on the defensive end. I felt that way. You look at it, they combined 25 minutes, 25 minutes, six points, two rebounds, uh, uh three assists. Um, with that. So they were putting up some numbers when they were on the floor. They just, unfortunately were putting up fouls as well. Right. Yeah. But to be fair, who wasn't? Yeah. Especially <laughs> the second half. Yeah. Especially the second half on our team, there were very few people that, um, um, played other than, you know, Hannah Sandvik and Lily Meister, who only played a collective seven minutes total. Everybody had at least one foul. <laughs> so, well, um, hey. well, yeah. I'm not trying to rub you, but I also think that now, but in fairness, coach Morin, if Lene doesn't pick up two fouls in the first quarter and doesn't pick up her third foul in the second quarter, she may get more runs. She may end up with 18, 19, 20 minutes because she, right. because, you know, but she was saddled with foul trouble. And that's what kind of what we talked about in that post game on, on Sunday. We got away with it tonight. 
you, I just don't think with the limited depth that we have right now, you can't have players getting fouls at such a rate. And, and I know some of us the way the officials are calling the game. I get that, but you have to yeah. adjust and you can't just keep fouling. Some of it's good. Some of it's fresh mistakes, but you got to get rid of those. And, and especially right now, and we're going to Columbus on Sunday. I don't yeah. think you can have that kind of foul trouble, but oh, well, I digress. Right. Yeah. I mean, we ended up with three players of four fouls and they were all starters and two of them, you know, were our senior players, Chloe Moore McNeil and Mackenzie Holmes both had four fouls and Yarden was the only one I thought, I thought Yarden in particular really just felt off defensively to me tonight. And, you know, she, she seemed a, a step slow um, and, you know, she kind of hip checked on one of her fouls. And I, I thought she was kind of struggling a little bit with it tonight, but, you know, she also had some really nice um, assists for us and things and some good rebounding. So overall, I thought she was okay. It was just defensively. I felt like she was a little bit off her, her normal game tonight. Personally. I, I would agree. Um, as well but again you look then you look at her stats outside of the foul trouble she had a solid night you know like i said when i started looking at her stats i didn't feel like she was as you know struggled as much as i thought she did so it's one of those games i think and i think the third quarter kathy made us all feel that way about a lot of them that's true very fair so you got any other notable numbers nope i think i'm set there all right, let's move on to our Game Ball Award. And for those of you who are watching on the YouTube feed, uh, Kathy has it pulled up. And uh, right now, and my eyes are not as good as they used to be. Uh, I believe Mackenzie Holmes leads the way with eight yep. Game Balls. And then uh, Sarah Scalia with four, uh, Sydney Parrish with three, Yarden Garzon two, and Chloe Moore McNeil with one Game Ball here. Um, and Kathy, I'm going to let you go first here on the Game Ball tonight. Yeah, um, for me, uh, you know, this one was a pretty easy one. I'm going with Mackenzie Holmes, you know, and her sixth double-double of the year um, ended up with 23 points leading the team. Um, just one ahead of uh, Sarah Scalia. Um, she had, again, 10 rebounds. And I thought some of those rebounds were really tough rebounds. She's on the floor, diving for loose balls, um, had two steals. Um, her only blemish was four turnovers, I thought. Um, and to be honest, I didn't, I'm kind of surprised she even had four turnovers. I don't remember her having that many. I remember the third quarter. Yeah, it must've been the third quarter. It seemed like everyone was having them in that one, but um, you know, in seven though, her 10 rebounds were offensive rebounds too. And I thought she was just really aggressive on the glass tonight, um, uh, at least on the offensive end for sure. So to me, McKenzie had just a really great um, all around game for us. So she gets my game ball. Yeah, I'm going to second that. I mean, we could talk about Sarah Scalia here, 38 minutes. Uh, she scored 22 points. But after her start in the first quarter, kind of in the middle of the second quarter, I felt like she, and again, I'd say disappeared, but there are just times when Sarah's not hitting shots. She is very streaky anyway, but there are just times where I feel like she almost just, she kind of she goes you know, and just becomes part of the environment. And, and, you know, and then when she does shoot one and she messes it, you're kind of like, oh, She's cold, but she's also yeah. the type of kid that as soon as she hits one, she may make the next three. Right. So you want her to keep shooting it, but eight and nine at the line, four of eight from three. She had five rebounds, three assists, a steal, a turnover. She had to, have, excuse me, for the 22 points, she'd have a turnover, but I'm going to go with you. I'm going to make it unanimous here tonight. Mackenzie Holmes for the game ball, but I did think we needed to mention Sarah's effort yeah. there as well with that so uh mackenzie holmes will get her ninth game ball of the year 
uh, here from the Doing the Work. We're going to move on to the Grace Berger Hardest Worker Award. And again, if you're following along with the other workaholics here on um, the YouTube live feed, you can see the scroll at the bottom. And this is one that, again, some of the nice things here to have lots of people who are involved for the, for the hardest worker. <laughs> but right now, Sydney Parrish leads with five, Mackenzie Holmes with four, uh, Chloe Moore McNeil, three. Lexi Bargesser and Sarah Scalia and Lene Beaumont with two each and Lily Meister with one. So those are our game ball recipients, or excuse me, our hardest worker recipients so far. And I'm going to let Kathy go again first tonight since I'm doing the hosting duties. Yeah. And, you know, just this one was a little bit harder for me to, to kind of think through. So, um, you know, Sarah, again, I thought could have definitely been a candidate here with her uh, 22 points. But, you know, I think always the hardest worker doesn't necessarily go to the second highest scoring player on the team. Um, you know, I think uh, Chloe Moore McNeil was pretty good um, for the most part on defense. But, um, you know, again, I thought she had that foul bug fighter, but again, who didn't? Um, and ended up with 10 points here. Um, but I actually am landing here on Lexi Bargesser. She ended up again with nine points for us, but not just the nine points. She only had one turnover and she was handling the ball quite a bit. She had two stat steals, only fouled um, two times. And I thought she was really good on defense as well. But the, my other number that I really like from her is six assists. Mm -hmm. So I thought she's coming in and now filling a role that, you know, just a couple of games ago, she was not being asked to fill, which is now being a starter and playing starter minutes. You know, she played 31 minutes again tonight. She played the most of the any anybody on the team in the last game. And that's just not, you know, what she was probably expected to do this this year. And I thought the performance she did for us tonight was really quite on. She even made that three-pointer, another another field goal. Um, you know, she uh, a couple of field goals actually. She was four of six from field goal range. So to me, I thought um, she had a nice game for us tonight. So um, Lexi Bargesser gets my my vote for hardest worker. Yeah, and I will also throw yeah. in here. We talked about we talked about Lene a little bit. I would I would throw Lene in here just to mention. You know, again, she yeah. finished with six points. Uh, two of four on from the field. She was only two of four at the line and she had two assists, but in, in, in 12 minutes. So I, I thought Lene gave us a good effort, but I'm, I, I agree with you. I, I was going to go with Lexi Bargesser here tonight, just because a, she provided some scoring. Um, and with that, as like you said, she had a six to one assist to turnover ratio. Uh, she also had uh, two rebounds and two steals, as you mentioned. So I'm going to make that unanimous and go with Lexi Bargesser. And I believe that becomes her third hardest worker award. That's right. Yep. So. That's her third. Yeah. So congrats to Lexi Bargesser. Yes, absolutely. So real quick, we're going to kind of turn it over to Kathy here. Cause this has become her kind of her, uh, uh, not her hobby, her, her project, her, her project, because she's the one that really put all this together and kind of, you know, kind of came up with this idea. So we'll turn it over to Kathy for Mac watch as she gets nearer to the all time scoring record. Yeah. So I mentioned earlier that, you know, in that third quarter, McKenzie um, got her 2,300 points. So she ended up scoring a few more than that. She is now at 2,306. So she is 58 points now behind to tie for first or 59 points to take over first place. So um, again, if she uh, continues on on her average that she's at right now, that'll be just under three games, which puts her around the Purdue game to breaking that record. So again, if she continues averaging right around 20 points, um, she will get that in the Purdue game. 
Um, the other number we've been keeping an eye on is where she's moving up in the rebounding range. So with her 10 rebounds tonight, she now has 921 rebounds in her career. Um, and she uh, needs 924 to take fifth place. So I'm pretty confident in the next game against Ohio State, she'll get her three rebounds and move up in that, that ranking for fifth place. And then we'll start taking a look at what she needs for fourth place. So no block shots tonight. So she's probably going to um, stick around that um, second place and uh, total blocks in her career, which is kind of what we expected anyway. It was a pretty big gap for mm. her to fill, but still overall um, just a nice double-double uh, for Mac, her third one, or excuse me, sixth one of the year. So again, as Mackenzie Holmes closes in on an all-time record, and again, I knew, I'm going to have to take this weekend, especially, and, and maybe Saturday if I get an opportunity, I'm going to have to go back and look at her numbers a little bit because, again, she needs a lot of games, but it is not out of the realm of the possibility if she keeps averaging over 20 that she could get near, very near Calvert Cheney's all-time school record, which would be a really interesting uh, number to achieve. I'm not saying she'll get there because, you know, I think you'd have to make a deep run in the Big Ten tournament. Yeah. Probably have to get to the Elite Eight, you know, with that. So, and, and average 20, you know, you know 20 right. plus. So, um, with that. But man, Max career is going to go down. I mean, you know, I think we're going to talk about this at the end of the season. You know, she's on the Mount Rushmore, you know, you know especially, yeah. you know, of the Terry Moore era. She's going to be on the Mount Rushmore. So, um, but she's going to be on the Mount Rushmore of all Indiana women's basketball players. So, uh, thanks, Kathy, for uh, keeping us updated on the Mac Watch. That's a lot of fun. Let's move on. We're going to talk about our next opponent, and, and our next podcast will be on Sunday after this game. We the the women travel to Ohio State to, to Columbus to take on the Buckeyes Sunday, February the fourth, uh, twelve Eastern start. Noon, noon Eastern, I should say. Don't want anybody to confuse that thing where they're playing at midnight, right? It, you know, it's you know maybe a name of a Taylor Swift album, but we're not, you know, we're not playing at that time of night. Uh, but yeah, noon. <laughs> uh, you can tell I've been watching the NFL. Uh, noon Eastern, noon Eastern start, eleven Central. That game is on FS1. That game is on FS1, so it's a Fox broadcast FS1. So you'll be able to catch it over there. Uh, Ohio State plays tomorrow. Um, and, and I'm trying to remember who they play. I've got it down here a little bit farther. I didn't put it in this part of the run sheet. They're playing Wisconsin at home tomorrow. So it really should be, they should win that game. But right now they're eight and one in the league half game behind Indiana. Iowa is actually playing right now against Northwestern. Uh, they're eight and one. And so, you know, so, but realistically all three teams will be tied still after tonight. Ohio state's currently number 15 in the net. Uh, Ohio State leads this series all time, 59-24. This is one of the few teams that Indiana had such a huge deficit that Terry Morin's teams have are playing catch up on a lot of these series records. But Ohio State has just dominated this 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 series over the years. Um, and Ohio State is 33 and six against Indiana in Columbus. Um, Ohio State won the last matchup on March 4th uh, of 2023 at the Big Ten Tournament, 79-75, after Indiana blew a huge halftime lead. Uh, the Ohio State pressure just got to them. If you all remember that game, McKenzie, if I remember right, did not yeah. play much in that game. Um, but yeah. that was a game that we all were kind of, you know, disappointed with the way that it went in the second half um iu had won the previous five in a row though and the series is five and five over the last 10 this is the only regular season matchup so kathy before i turn it over here to talk about some of their personnel this could be huge in terms of seeding for the big 10 tournament yeah i mean overall not just the seeding for the big 10 tournament but yeah to your point um 
the seeding, which is the, the standings in the conference play to your point. Um, you know, I was going to win their game, by the way, they're up by um, 95 to 63 with four and a half minutes to go. So I was going to win and, you know, assuming Ohio state wins, you got three teams again, right there at nine and one. And so this is going to be huge for those, those standings. And we already saw what Ohio state did to Iowa when Iowa came into Ohio to play. So, and to, to Columbus. So um, I think this is going to be probably um, one of our toughest challenges that we've had um, this year, right up there with Stanford and Iowa. So um, I, I think it's going to be, very interesting and hopefully a much better game than we saw from those two. I agree. So do you want to talk about their personnel a little bit? Sure, I can do that. So um, Ohio State's really led by three main people. So we have J.C. Sheldon, Cody McMahon, who was freshman of the year last year, and then Taylor Theory. So J.C. Sheldon is back. She is um, 510 uh, graduate guard. Um, she is averaging right now 17.6 points per game, which is fifth in the league. Um, she's also averaging three assists per game, which is 20th in the league, um, two steals per game, which is second in the league. And she shoots at a 51% field goal percentage, which is seventh. And um, she can shoot free throws too. So you don't want to foul her. She's an 88% um, free throw shooter. Um, in 2022, because uh, in 20, she was on the all Big Ten first team and all Big Ten defensive team. Last year, she was hurt and missed a big chunk of the game. But um, even the year before that, she was on the all Big Ten second team. So she's definitely, to me, is, seems to be the leader. And as JC seems to go, a lot of it is um, the way Ohio State goes. But I think the same can be said of Cody McMahon. So Cody McMahon is a six-foot sophomore for, um, forward. Um, she's currently averaging right at 14 points per game, which is 17th in the league, and six rebounds per game at 15th in the league. Um, she's also, um, was the, as I mentioned, Big Ten freshman of the year last year, but it was also on the Big Ten second team um, and on the all Big Ten tourney team as well last year. Um, and then lastly, um, Taylor Theory is their other player that you really want to keep an eye on. She's a 6'1 junior. Um, she is averaging right at 12.7 points per game. 6.2 rebounds per game. And then um, she is, was on the second team, all Big Ten last year, also on the all Big Ten defensive team and the all Big Ten tourney team. So I think those three combined are kind of the, the three-headed um, head of their, their, monster. their monster, monster, if you will, in Ohio State. Um, and I think the thing we'll have to really watch out for, which we've had trouble with Princeton and then saw a little bit again tonight, is their press. Um, so Ohio State will, I'm sure, come out and press. They do that right away. And until teams show that they um, can break it and are hurting Ohio State by pressing, they probably won't pull that press off of us. So that's at least my prediction. That's what I've kind of seen from the couple of games I've watched of them this year. Um, so those, those are uh, the three personnel that you really want to keep an eye on for Ohio State. Yeah, I, and, and I'm not trying to... Yeah, I'll come back to that. But I just wanted to talk about that personnel real quick. I, I think McMahon has, has – she's a great player. But you look at some of her numbers, she yeah. struggled a little bit to shoot the ball um, with that. Uh, and I said that – I remember saying this last year, that if you could get J.C. Sheldon back healthy, Ohio State became a whole lot better team. And that's when they got her back, kind of the last game or two of the regular season. They played her a little bit more in the Big Ten tournament. And then they made a nice run in the NCAA tournament because J.C. Sheldon basically got healthy enough you know, to play. Um, you got to find a way to control J.C. Sheldon, in my opinion, because she's the guard. Um, yeah. 
Taylor Theory as well, but especially Sheldon. She's kind of that penetrator. And, and as Ari pointed out in the Workaholics, if something I was going to mention, this is the one thing this team has struggled with really since we started the show, or at least since as we started the show over the last three years. Teams with athletic or determined guards who are going to put the ball in the deck and dribble drive have given us issues. Now, we've had some success with Ohio State over the last five, six games because, A, Mac has had huge games because Kevin McGuff has basically tried to play straight up with Mac, and she's gone for like 30 a couple times. Uh, but we've done a better – we've always done a pretty decent job of really controlling their drive, and we have not turned it over a ton against their press. But then in the, you go back to the Big Ten tournament game, we turned we turned it over a ton in the yep. second half. So um, I'll go back to the stats here real quick. Offensively, they're fourth in the league, just over 81 points a game. Um, they're fifth in the league defensively at about just over just under 64 a game. Um, they're fifth in the league in field goal percentage. They they're sixth in a in defensive field goal percentage. So they're middle of the pack here. Um, they are not a great def- they're they're a so-so defensive team. Um, but they, you know, but they're so good at making teams turn it over that they, you know, that's where a lot of their stuff comes from. They're 10th in three-point field goal percentage. Um, so they are going to shoot it great from deep. Um, but again, you never know when you play them and then they're, but they are second in opposing teams field and they're on their defensive end. So they hold teams to 29% on the three. And this is, we know IU is going to shoot the three a lot. They're 72% at the line. They are just above Indiana in terms of free throw, free throw percentage at 10th. So maybe Indiana's actually passed them after tonight. This one's this one's one Kathy that I was really shocked by. They're basically even on their glass. They're plus 0.1 rebounding margin, 0.1. You know, they're 12th in the league in rebounding margin. Um, so I, that one really surprised me. But they're second in turnover margin. They're plus seven. They force 21 turnovers a game. And so I you get your thoughts on some of those team stats. Yeah, um, I was a little surprised, actually, that their defensive numbers weren't higher. I thought I always think of when I think of Ohio State um, is defensive, but I think it's more um, shows up in their turnover margin. They With that plus seven um, being second in the league, I think they really have a propensity to turn turn people over at that press of theirs. So, um, yeah, I, I think that this is going to be an interesting game for us because we do generally rely on that three-point shooting so much. but um, they are such a good three-point defending team, like you mentioned, only holding their, their opponents to only 29%. So I think this is going to be a really interesting matchup for us because I, I'm pretty concerned, to be honest, about, like you mentioned, their driving. And I think Cody McMahon, if I remember correctly last year, we just had a lot of trouble with her. Another athletic player. I know she's technically a forward, not a guard, but still really athletic. And so who are we going to put on her? Because I would expect Chloe to be on J.C. Sheldon, personally. So you're going to have Chloe on JC. So is Yarden going to get that, that matchup? Because if Yarden and, and Cody McMahon are going at it, I, I'm a little concerned that that's going to be too much for Yarden to handle defensively. Um, do you have any thoughts on kind of some of the matchups we might think we could see? Yeah. I mean, that's really about the only person. If, if she was healthy, it's Sydney. I really think Sydney's who you would right. see on. Um, but I think Yarden gets the, by default, except now do you try to trust Lexi Bargesser enough to guard JC Sheldon? And then you try right. to put Chloe over on, on Cody McMahon. 
um, those are some good, you know, those are some good questions, um, you know, with, and we, we said this at the beginning of the year, we said this a couple of times throughout the podcast season, Kathy, that on paper, we both felt Ohio state was the best team in the league talent wise right. and everything that, so th- this is going to be a tough game, even with a healthy Sydney parish going into Columbus, you know, and, and with that. So, uh, but they're giving themselves a chance. Um, and, and I want to kind of get your thoughts on this. I'll go through this a little bit. Um, her hoop stats, I, I did the numbers today. Yeah. I, I have a hard time accessing it at school. But Indiana has a – they have Indiana with a 54% chance of winning. 74-72 is their prediction, which I really was shocked by because I thought it would be an Ohio State would be the favorite and have maybe a six- or seven-point margin just for the home court. I think they're even – you look at these numbers. I use eighth in the HSA uh, – the who, her hoop stats rating, Ohio State's 14th. Offensive efficiency, I use 11th, Ohio State's 20th. Defensive efficiency, I use 64, Ohio State's 66. Effective field goal percentage, mm-hmm. I use second, Ohio State's 26. Points per possession, I use third, Ohio State 18. I mean, you just look at these numbers yeah. and I'll kind of stop there. I mean, on paper, you know, we've said we think Ohio State's good, but you look at these kind of efficiency type numbers. And, and tempo numbers, this is really has the potential to be a real barn burner down to the wire game. Yeah, absolutely. I think we you know, just have an interesting matchup because, you know, our dominant player is someone that's in the post and their dominant player is a guard. Um, but our best defensive player is also a guard. So um, neither team really rebounds a whole lot. You know, I think they're probably going to play um, quite a bit of fast, fast pace or um, they're going to want to push the ball. Um but on the other end, I think they're going to try to slow us down again with that, that the press and taking us out of our offensive rhythm. So who is going to be able to counter who? Like, can our defense slow them down enough? And can our transition D, you know, kind of s- slow them down versus is their press really going to take us out of our game plan and what we want to do offensively and, you know, keep us from hitting the three-point shot? Or are we going to be able to break the press? You know, like we've seen they've been able to do. Like it's interesting to me at the Big Ten tournament last year because that first half we looked amazing against their press and the second half we didn't. So which team are we going to get? Because I think to me that's going to be the key of the game um, in addition to can we slow at least one of J.C. Sheldon or Cody McMahon um, um, down? I think those two in particular I'm kind of nervous about in the matchups we have. So usually we come in here talking about the, the rebounding being a key. I don't know it's as important in this game since Ohio State's not so strong on the glass, but what kind of keys do you are you going to be kind of looking for on, on Sunday? First of all, turnovers, because we can't turn it over yeah. 21 times against them. Right. And secondly, uh, I, I think rebounding is consistent. I think rebounding is a big one here because IU has kind of moved up the ranking here in the Big Ten. They were like fourth or fifth today when I looked at it, and they were up plus nine today. So uh, things are relative. No, IU won't, I won't say I use a great rebounding team, but right now we may be a better rebounding team than the team we're playing on Sunday. So Right. That's you got to take advantage of that if you can, and without fouling, you got to be able to do without fouling. That'll be yeah. the other thing I'm going to look at. That's a good point. I guess what I was um, meant with the rebound, I don't think it's as important as when we were playing some of the other teams. Um, oh, that's true. It's not as it's not the place where I'm going to be keen and on watching. But yes, turnovers for sure. Um, but I, I'm really. Um, I really want to see defensively how we we match up with Ohio State and can we ratchet up our defense. I'm also curious to see how well we shoot the ball from the three, because this is a team that shoots yeah. the three and they're second in defensive percentage. So uh, on the three ball. So can we be right. above average? Can so we're we be excited a- about everything is what you're saying. 
<laughs> no, no, not real. I mean, but you know, can we hit three? Yeah, if yeah. we can hit, if we can hit three, maybe you're right. But you know, it's what we do here. We <laughs> we get concerned about everything. So, uh, so yeah. let's go around the let's go around the Big Ten real quick here. Yeah. Tonight, Illinois. <laughs> it's kind of been the 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 team everybody was you know we thought was going to be decent and then they got off to a terrible start and now they're starting to put together a little bit of a run they go into ann arbor and beat michigan 77 64 avenging a loss from back in december when michigan just blew them out in champagne um nebraska wins again tonight at home again shocker nebraska wins at home 68 54 right. over what's got to be classified right now as a disappointing purdue team uh, I think that drops them like two and eight in the league. Oh, um, I'm not disappointed in them. No, 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 no. But I think what you, if we're being, obje- we're not because we're not objective on here. But if we were talking, remember, but back in the beginning of the season, we thought right. Purdue would be one of those teams that mixed for six yeah. or seven, you know. We did. Uh, yeah. You know, they're so, but yeah. False. I'm not crying any tears. Don't get me wrong. Um, right. <laughs> and then Penn State goes into Minneapolis tonight and wins 80 to 64. So if you look at, and we already talked about this, Wisconsin plays Ohio state in Columbus tomorrow, Saturday, Michigan goes to Penn state and Iowa goes to Maryland. So those will be a couple of games to keep an eye on, especially Saturday. Right now I've updated the standings. Scott, you want to kind of get your thoughts about this? Iowa, IU, Ohio, and IU are nine and one Ohio state. I won't improve. I won't put them to nine and one yet, but by all means, they should be on Sunday tied with Indiana at nine and one, but Penn State now is kind of separated a little bit from that other part. They're seven and three in the league. They're two games behind, but they're kind of starting to settle into being that fourth best team in the league. And they're the ones I really want to come back to you with a little bit. Michigan State and Nebraska are both six and four. So there's still some possibilities there, but Michigan kind of has fallen behind at five and five. So I want to get your thoughts about the league race where it is with those three teams at the top, but also your thoughts about Penn State. Yeah. I mean, the three teams are the three teams. Um, I don't, I don't think we talked at all about Penn State in the offseason. Um, certainly not where we thought they would be. I know we didn't do any in-depth preview of them. Mm-hmm. Um, now with Wusu back, in addition to um, Marisa being back for them, um, we've been seeing this for a couple of weeks. Don't sleep on them. And, you know, they showed it again tonight going into Minnesota, who, you know, Minnesota has shown in a couple of games that they're they're not the same Minnesota we've kind of seen all um, the last few years. Um, but they handled them quite quite well in Minnesota up at the barn, 80 to 64. So I I really think Penn State, you know, is the team to watch, especially when we get to that Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, you know, now I think they maybe don't have quite the games left to be able to make up unless, you know, um Ohio State or us or Iowa kind of trip a little bit down the down the stretch here. But um I think they're gonna be a team I would really want to keep an eye on in that Big Ten tournament. Yeah, and I was going to mention here in the minute, minute from in Minnesota's defense a little bit. Mara Braun yeah. is out for the season with a broken that's foot. That's a that's a huge injury for them, um, and may very well sink their hopes of making the NCAA tournament. Unfortunately for them, but Kathy, I totally agree with you. And I, I I posted this on Twitter the other day. It might have been in my my personal account, but I think I might have done the doing the work account. Um, Penn State may not win the league, but none of the and IU doesn't play them again. But none of those other those top three teams really want to see. Penn State down the stretch or in the Big Ten tournament? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wouldn't want to face them right now. I'm glad we got them when we did. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You take they're my, they're my team to watch in the Big Ten tournament for sure. Yep. So, Kathy, I'll throw it to you for some final thoughts here. Yeah. Um, so overall, again, just congratulations again to our, our women. You know, being even being down 
um, Sydney Parish not knowing how they, you know, bounce back from that. Um, you know, she's still on crutches, so no timeline for her return. And Lexi's filled in. The the bench really came up and um, put in some great minutes, at least, you know, Jules and um, Lene for us in particular. Um, even the few minutes I thought Sandvik and Meister came in. And so we talked about this on the last show where we thought replacing Sydney was going to be a collective effort. And I think we got that tonight, right? We got it in combination from Lene and Lexi Bargasser. Um, you know, combined, they, they went for 15 points together offensively. Lexi has just been, you know, locked in always on defense. Plus, she's really sharing the ball really well. Um, so I think this team is really picking up and filling in for Sydney um, collectively, like we kind of expected. We weren't expecting Lexi to come in and have all the rebounds or do everything that Sydney was doing. But I think collectively they're doing that. And um, they looked well tonight. You know, they weathered that storm in that third quarter. They made some nice adjustments going into the fourth quarter and ended up going uh, and into um, a place they've never won before and getting a 14-point win. So overall, just a great win for this team again and just um, excited to see this matchup, obviously, on Sunday against Ohio State. Yeah, I really think you said it awesome. You said it great. I, I really, there's not a lot there for me to add other than I just think that it's an awesome thing what Terry Moore has been able to build. And again, I know the third quarter was not pretty tonight. But they had a 22-point lead at the half at Maryland. I mean, that that cushion was also one reason why she didn't have to take a timeout in the third quarter because you had such a big cushion. But it just – the next person up mentality. And, and again, we had some doubts. I mean, I, we'll, I won't be the first to say we were kind of like not sure that Lexi's ready for this moment. Well, she played well against Northwestern on Sunday, which, you know, again, Northwestern is not playing well. But she came out on the road in at Maryland and played a really solid game. So that gives you more and more confidence that she's ready for this. And it just bodes well for the future because Lexi's going to be a bigger part of the plan next year and the year after. Um, and so I really, you know, kudos to Lexi and just kudos to everybody to go out there and get a win. Tough environment in terms of the way the second half went, especially with the fouls and the pace and everything. You know, you could have been very easy to get frustrated and 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 be like you know what you know everything's against us let's just you know let's just you know give up yeah. especially as maryland was making that run to get into single digits they did they 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 yeah. they were able to right the ship and i think that's the one thing that the fans enjoy about watching this team over the last few years is that they know they're going to fight they're you know and and, and they're going to put effort on the floor and, and that's what they see every night you know that this group plays so um yeah kudos to them going to maryland huge win you know for for the for the women so um get us on out of here kathy oops sorry i was on the wrong course All right, coming up next, uh, we will return on Sunday after the Ohio State game. Tip time is noon, as we said earlier, Eastern, 11 Central, 11 a.m. Central. So we'll be on around 2 o'clock Eastern, 1 Central. Uh, that game, again, is on FS1. AC Radio will be on tomorrow at their normal time. And if you're coming to if you're coming to the Assembly Call Meetup on Saturday, February 3rd, Kathy will definitely be there. That's at the up uh, the upstairs brew uh, pub. Um, you can see us there. Uh, I'm still kind of up in the air. I I have some radio duties here. The Rensselaer Central Lady Bombers are 
playing in the sectional this week. All the teams in the state are playing. Uh, I have the radio duties for the, the Rensselaer central teams. And so they will be playing Friday night and they, you know, they're, they're going to be favored to win, but if, things go if they don't go their way then i will be able to make it on saturday otherwise if they win i won't be able to and kathy will be down there and you guys can say hello to her but hopefully i can get down there to see all of our fans and and meet up with everybody at the but if you're going to be there kathy will definitely be there by the way kathy when are you heading out um we're going to leave here friday morning so if, if you're also out friday um evening um we'll, i'll be in there for the back home network team dinner friday night but then we're going to be going out probably to nicks or um uptown or excuse me upstairs or whatever so keep an eye on the simply call twitter account i'm sure that um, jared would probably post it out there um but if you're out and about in bloomington come try to find us on friday night um so i'll be there yeah and then sunday i'll be broadcasting from my mom's house down in southern indiana so um, we'll see how how her setup is for me <laughs> when I get down there. So I'm sure it'll be fine. I've done it before. So yeah, looking forward to the whole weekend. I haven't been back to Bloomington for two years now. So um, happy to to get back and get on campus and um, hit some of our favorite places again. If you want to see us do the show live and be a part of the live chat, make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube doc, our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at back home network that's the at symbol so youtube.com slash at back home network you can be a part of our private community as well find out more at assembly assembly call.substack.com special thanks to john ringer of rig design for uh rigdesign.com for designing our logos a big thank you to Bob Thompson for our music that you've heard throughout the broadcast. And we want to thank all of you for listening, wherever you hear us, whether it's the live YouTube feed or your favorite podcast site. We'll be back to talk IU Hoops again with you on Sunday. Until then, keep your elbow in, your eyes on the rim, and let's go Hoosiers. Another Did that music movie. sound weird to you, or was it maybe it's just me? It sounded all right to me. Okay. You, you hit it a little okay. early. Yes, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> I do that. All, I do that crap all the time. So I'm not going to hold that against you. You know. So, but anyway. So that's funny. Hey, cool. thanks everybody in the workaholics. Right. We had a good number in here yeah. again tonight. So it's good to see everybody. We did. In here. Yeah. Thanks for everyone being here. And yeah, we were we were nice and long again tonight. But the Ohio State game is going to be a, a really great matchup. So hopefully everyone's able to to watch it and. Um, and join us afterwards. I think it's yep. hopefully going to be a good game. No blowouts no this time. And there's no football this no weekend. Football. You know, you know, you no, just come no watch excuses. Us. Yeah, absolutely. All right. All right, Jeff. I think we'll I'll let you go and we'll get out of this and uh, we'll see you guys on Thursday or Sunday. Take care. See you guys everyone. Sunday.